Welcome to Sounding Off with Kim Munson. This is our podcast where we talk about really important issues. I'm thrilled to have in studio with me Stephen Peck. He is a millennial. He's a father of three, former director of the on the Douglas County School Board, as well as a lieutenant commander in the Medical Service Corps with the Navy. Before we get over to Stephen, be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. That way you get first look at all of our upcoming guests, as well as our most recent Sounding Off with Kim Munson podcast and our most recent op-ed. Stephen Peck, it's great to have you in studio. Hey, good morning, Kim. Great to be here. I learned so much from our conversations. Great, great. I enjoy them too. And here we are. We're just a few days before election. There's a lot going on. You've got a lot of information here. Yeah. Where 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 do you want to go? I want to talk about big tech because um, we're broadcasting uh, today's Thursday. I think it's the 29th. Mm -hmm. And uh, And this will will go out this weekend. Okay. Okay. And this uh, just yesterday, um, Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, was brought before the the Senate and uh, asked to testify. And basically there was a question set that was put to him by – a bunch of senators, including Ted Cruz, and the impetus for this uh, hearing was that they had been censoring articles and viewpoints that that they just disagree with. And of course, they never put it in in that way, right? They always say it's for uh, other reasons, but fact checking. Oh yeah, of course. It, there are always some euphemism that are non-controversial, right? Mm-hmm. But these are the they're. The net effect is that they're censoring speech. And so um, uh, during the Amy Coney Barrett hearings, um, there was a a New York Post story that was broke about Hunter Biden and his emails, which is a separate subject. And we circle back to the details of that. But um, the New York Post broke this story and Senator U.S. Senator Ted Cruz tried to share it from his Twitter account and was blocked by Twitter. And he was just extremely distraught. And and he said, a line has been crossed here. And so he immediately, I think at the next break, went over to talk to Lindsey Graham, who's the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and said, you know, Lindsey, something has to be done about this. We we can't let this stand. They've crossed a bright line here, and they don't get to censor speech that they disagree with. And, and I mean, it's a pretty remarkable thing. It's a gutsy thing. I, I would actually gutsy is a tame word uh, for for Twitter, a private company to block uh, the speech of a sitting U.S. senator, especially one that that came so close to the White House uh, is a remarkable thing. He was nearly the nominee of the mm-hmm. Republican Party last time. Not that that matters. Nobody's speech should should be censored, whether you're um just an average citizen on the street or you're a U.S. senator. But I think it, it goes to their their power drunkenness at this point, that they think that they could get away with this. And so uh, uh, Senator Cruz said, let's let's call let's call them before um, the Senate and ask them to testify. And <laughs> just that quickly, um, they did. And I know this story because Ted Cruz has his own podcast called The Verdict, and he retold this, this story. Um, what's interesting, another side note, is that some of Senator Graham's staff were saying, whoa, 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 let, let's, let's calm down. Let's think about this. Do we, do we really uh, want to move so quickly on this? But uh, Lindsey Graham agreed. No, this is a bright line that, that, 
shall not be crossed, and we need to address this right away. Well, and Lindsey uh, Lindsey Graham is up for re-election in a very hard-fought race. Yes, it's gutsy for him to do this as well. That's right. I I um, just read this morning that some obscene number. It was over a hundred million dollars has been thrown at that race, which seems hard to believe. Um, but it, they, they've thrown the kitchen sink at the at, at that race. At that race, it's amazing even here in Colorado, Stephen Peck, the amount of money that is coming in. And I find it so interesting that those on the radical left used to be very self-righteous about money coming into campaigns and races. And yet we're seeing that they're the ones that really do it. It's like they accuse everybody else of doing it, but it's exactly what they do. So if you want to see their playbook, just see what they're accusing everybody. It's projection at every corner. It's always projection, you know, and and I don't know um, what it's going to take for people to see, you know, how hypocritical they are. But uh, but I don't think money is going to be enough after a certain point. There's saturation. Right. People have seen the ads and they've made their conclusions about a candidate pro or con. I don't think another, you know, 10 million dollar buy in some sort of uh, market in Spartanburg. Uh, I'm trying to think of my mm. my southern uh, South Carolina geography or Charleston um, is going to you know, put his opponent over the top. Lindsey Graham has got that. I, I don't really think it's as competitive as maybe we thought it was. But it is. N- nonetheless, it's a gutsy call by by Senator Graham. But I I um. To, to back up on this censorship story, this is not just about Twitter and the New York Post. This actually goes much deeper than that, and I think okay. many of your listeners know. Starting back in 2016, Prager University started having their PragerU videos censored by YouTube. And many of you, your listeners will know that YouTube is owned by the parent company Alphabet, which is Google. That's Google. So YouTube, Google, Alphabet, they're all interchangeable. It's all the same thing. And they basically now had a uh, hundred videos on PragerU that have been censored and their justifications, you know, vary, but it, it doesn't really matter. They're, they're, they're videos that are not controversial. So for example, Heather McDonald, who writes on sociology and crime issues, uh, policing issues, had one of her videos uh, censored. Um, there was one uh, by Dennis Prager himself on the Ten Commandments that was censored, right? Exactly. Honestly, so, well, right, and 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 it it is it's it's beyond the pale, right? They'll they'll always couch it in terms that make it sound like, well, we're trying to do the right thing, we're trying to look out for our listeners. No, you're not. You're censoring, and that is the antithesis of the First Amendment. I mean, absolutely, Stephen Peck. I've thought a lot about this. This Bill of Rights that we have, you're, you're mentioning the First Amendment, free, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of uh, uh, getting assembly. together. Uh, yeah, assembly. These things the founders realized was so important. And do you not find it absolutely astounding that here we are in 2020 America where we have government saying churches can't meet. Now you know, no more than 10 people can meet. And they're censoring speech. This is despotism. It, I don't I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. If you work, work through your your first, uh, the, the, the 10 Bill of Rights, right? Uh, um, the first 10 are uh, the amendments to the Constitution, but they're not really amendments. They were the original 10 Bill of Rights. Your First Amendment rights are under assault. Your Second Amendment rights are under assault. The Third Amendment was quartering, so that's that's not really been an issue for some time. Um, your Fourth Amendment rights, your 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 protections against unreasonable searches and seizures, that, that is under assault. I mean, you can go through the list, um, and 
and these are our core pillars of American, uh, the American experiment. And if we lose these things, or even seed any of the ground, and and I'm I'm afraid that we've seen. I mean, some of these things things take time. We've seen uh, court challenges to some of the ridiculousness around COVID-19. And fortunately, we have uh, Donald Trump and the Senate Judiciary making great appointments uh, for people who believe in rule of law and the original text of legislation and the original text of the U.S. Constitution. We have those things going for us. But the culture and the uh, prevailing winds Culturally, I'm talking about things in the media, things in Hollywood, things in academia, things in Wall Street, things in big tech. All of that is left, left, left. And that's what we're, we're up against. That's what we're up against. And some of that is eking into traditionally Republican um, institutions, the, things like the church, for example. And I'm not just talking about the Catholic Church. I'm talking about Protestant churches. I, I know. Um, I, and, and denominations that are large and small— I mean, I'm I'm seeing it all over the place. I can't even believe the things that some of the the pastors are, are putting. They're they're nakedly um, political. Stephen, it took me a while to figure this out that that there is churches that speak the gospel of of Jesus Christ, but many of the mainline churches have been co opted to their mantra is social justice, and they couch it within Christianity. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And I ultimately changed churches once I finally figured out what was going on. But it took me a while to connect the dots on that. I agree. That should be another podcast because there's a lot to talk about on, on that topic. And I could go on for some, some time about the specifics we'll do, we'll of then that. We'll do okay. another one. Okay. okay. All right. So so I, I guess um, coming back to the point about big tech and censorship and whatnot, we this is not just about the New York Post and, and Twitter. This is not just about Prager University and um, and YouTube. This is this is happening. Anybody with a Facebook account, I, I've actually never been put in Facebook jail, which is, I think, a little bit surprising. Kind of but amazing. I'm, well, yeah, it is. And but I do try to be careful about the things I, I share. Um, and I, I I I try not to be over the the, the top. I, I don't think that you win arguments by insulting your 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 way to a, a point or sharing information that's of dubious. You know, you, you want to make sure that it's it's good and accurate as much as possible. I need to make a quick note on that. I was with a friend yesterday, and Nextdoor, that Nextdoor app. Uh, app. Yeah. Uh, actually, I I got banned from that back in whatever year it was. That I think it was 2016, maybe it was 2018, on the school board race. And I was just very, very solidly making the case for things. Ultimately, they didn't want to have the solid case. It's the same with this friend of mine. She was making the case for voting yes on the uh, Proposition 115, which is the prohibition on late-term abortions here in Colorado. The opponent ended up, it was a guy using all kinds of language and calling her all kinds of names, and she just continued to press forward with facts. She got banned off next door. Next door leans left as well. People need to know that. I don't think they, they lean left. They are hard left. They are hard left. I, I, Nextdoor is a cesspool, like many of these tech companies are. Now, I, I don't know how many people will agree with my next statement, but I think that Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook are at least making the attempt. It, it seems to me that they're making the, an attempt to try to keep uh, speech as free as possible. 
Um, that's my that's my take. Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, and his legal counsel—I forget her name right now—they are they are activists, is what they are. They're activists, and and I don't know anything about next door, but uh, I don't have a high opinion of them. What do we do about this? Is free market people? Yeah. And they're a private company. Right. What do we do about this? The, yeah, there's that, that is a tricky question. So, so a couple different things, and I'll, I'll I'll try to answer as directly as possible. One, I think all of us have the ability to vote with our feet, vote with our time, vote with our dollars, right? And so, I'm on Facebook. I I left Twitter though after this happened, and not that I was really active on Twitter. I I, I wasn't um, for a couple different reasons. Uh, but I had an account, and at least I could comment or share something. Uh, but I, you know, I didn't even have a profile picture up, and, and it was all anonymous, right? Because you know, you don't want to get canceled, um, uh, right? Well, it's true. It's absolutely true. I, I don't want to, uh, you know, I, I don't want people to say, "Well, Steve Peck believes these things," so um, and without the ability to kind of explain yourself, which you know, Twitter, you frequently can't. So I got off. I thought I, I cannot support a group of people that are committed to silencing viewpoints that they disagree with. That is anti-American. And I don't care if somebody has a problem with that. That's anti-American. It is. Um, so I, I can't be a part of that. Uh, next door, I'm not a part of that either. Now, with uh, Google, I've switched to – I stopped using Google. I use DuckDuckGo. I do too. And uh, if you're not using DuckDuckGo, it, it, it's a habit that you have to break from – I mean, your fingers just kind of go to Google – Without you even consciously thinking about it, you have to retrain your brain to go to DuckDuckGo. But it's a great search engine. And that's what I have as my search engine that comes up. Now, I still have Gmail, which is a Google product, and I I need to switch that. So, you know, I'm just telling you the small things that you can do to kind of transition yourself mm -hmm. away from it. Mm -hmm. uh, I know a lot of people canceled their Netflix accounts after um, the whole uh, – when I forget what the name of the show was, but it was basically – Oh, it's the uh, – it was, it was, it was the, child, the child porn is yeah. what it was. It was. And I don't know if you watched that trailer. It was disgusting. Couldn't get through it. It was repulsive. Separate topic. Um, uh, so, so one, I think you have to vote with your feet, and, and we're not a majority, right? So there is some question about, well, how much impact will that have? It doesn't matter. You still have to do it. Right. Or, or or be comfortable with the fact that you're supporting organizations that don't believe in your values. They don't value you as a person. They don't um, respect your uh, viewpoints. They they they're opposed to your viewpoints. It's not healthy then to be doing business with. with That's them. right. That's right. So, um, you know, there are alternatives out there or, you know, I mean, obviously, I think conservative media is disproportionately uh, found in places like podcasts. Uh, YouTube channels, which again is part of uh, Google, uh, AM radio as an example. We have our publications, we have our blogs. That's where I get my news. Um, so that's that's one part of it. Okay. Speaking of that, I I met a new friend the other day, and she said that she was a Democrat. In fact, uh, when Hillary Clinton lost to Barack Obama in the primary, she was really distraught about it. She was a Democrat. And she is now a, an activist conservative. And how it started, she said she was listening to Laura Ingram's radio program on hmm. AM radio. Yes. And she started questioning. And then she started digging. 
and to all the different places you just mentioned. And she realized what was going on. And now she is very active on working to get Donald Trump elected. That's an amazing story. I I, uh, met a gentleman who was a 20-year Democrat, one of these honking waves, and he said the same thing. He said from 1992 to 2016, he voted Democrat. 1992 to 2016, voted Democrat. And I said, what? I, I mean, come on. Really, what changed in the last since 2016, he said, well, a lot's changed in the last year, Steve. Well, okay, that's true. I said, but what specifically changed? And he said, he start actually his Prager University videos started. And at first he's like, oh, I can't watch this. This is, this is one of those, you know, uh, right wing yeah. extremist uh, websites uh, because that's how they want to brand you know, if you can if you can set up the terms of the debate, then you control the debate itself. And if they can label you with this big, nasty label, then, you know, what hope do you have to actually reach new minds? But then he's like, well, hold on. Actually, th- th- that was kind of interesting. What, what did he have to say? And so he started watching video and video and video. And um, then, you know, one thing led to the next. And this covid uh, insanity, he started to question some of the uh, prevailing um the non-wisdom, <laughs> non-wisdom, right about it, and non-common sense, and uh, now he's a subscriber to the Epic Times, and <laughs> and 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 yeah, and he he's out there, not just voting for Donald Trump, he's advocating publicly, door knocking, uh, not just once or twice, but a lot. So um, there there are stories about that. I think the the Democratic Party of 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 you know Robert Kennedy and Lyndon B. Johnson that party still is alive in the minds of some people, but it's dead and gone in reality. That's a very important point. That is a nugget of wisdom right there. Yeah. And I think some people are slowly arriving to the, to this realization that, hold on, this, this is not the party that I don't believe in these things. I believe in freedom of speech. I, 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 maybe I'm not a hunter or a military guy. Maybe I'm not a gun person myself, but that's a part of being an American. Um, and so I think slowly people are starting to realize, hmm. Something's not matching up. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I, subs- I don't know that I really want to defund my police department. I think we need police. You think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, so how do you square those circles? And it's hard for people. Things like politics and religion are so close to our identity, maybe we got them from our parents, or or maybe we've been doing it for so long, and we make these arguments, and so they're self-reinforcing, that it's hard to come to terms with the fact that maybe I'm not that person anymore. And But maybe you are. Maybe you're not the one that's changed. Maybe it's the, the, the party that you've affiliated it with that has oh, changed. Excellent point. You know? Excellent point. So so I, I, I think it's important to bring up uh, this this distinction about um, uh, talking about big tech because in the middle of this um, of these these hearings from yesterday, right? This is Wednesday, the twenty eighth. Um, the president tweeted on Twitter, uh, "I wish he would switch." Right? Wouldn't it be that would be pretty awesome if he left Twitter and went on to Parler oh. as an example? I mean, that would be. Because he, I, I forget how many uh, millions of Twitter followers he has. It's, it's like over 80 million. I, I mean, somebody, you could probably, I'm not on Twitter anymore, so I don't know. But it's it's tens of millions of people. If he all of a sudden went to, to Parler, well, then everybody's got to get on it. Um, so, so back in 1996, there was a piece of legislation that passed 
Um, it was the the decency, I forget the exact terminology, but it was basically a piece of decency legislation that was meant to uh, limit the spread of child pornography on the internet, right? This is 1996 Bill Clinton uh, era, right? Well, there was a section 230 on in that legislation um, that really kind of set up the, the terrain for what we have today, it kind of paved the way for social media. And it's only 26 words, this, this section 230, but it basically allows sites like uh, Twitter and sites like Facebook to, it allows them the protection, legal protection from the things that you or I post on there. Right, does that make sense? So, so you, you, they, are, they are not publishers, they're public forums. Right. Okay. So, if you think about it as a as one analogy, it would be like this: there, the post office doesn't write the letters; they just process the letters. So, I I could write something mean and nasty to somebody. You could write something disparaging about somebody else. It's not the post office's business or our fault. They're just processing the letters, right? It's it's a, it's a public square. It's mm -hmm. a public space. They're not publishers. They're not uh, editorializing or, or or bringing judgment to the the pieces that are are uh, mm -hmm. are, are, are posted. And so this section two thirty allows the websites like Twitter and Facebook to say, "Listen, we're not responsible for this. We're just we're just offering a platform for people to exchange ideas." Sounds good. I support that. Here's Donald Trump in the middle of these hearings yesterday saying. You know, something to the effect that alter, change, repeal, something about 230, get rid of 230 or, or change 230. I don't know if that's a good idea. Now, I agree with the, with the president on a lot of things. And and I'm happy to be, you know, somebody to to you know, convince me otherwise. But that seems like it's a good thing that we have the freedom exchange and that these, you know, platforms can um, not be held liable for for the things that people say on them. But here's the problem. They want to have it both ways. If if they're um, if if they're acting as editors in the way that a publisher would, that becomes a problem. And they want they want the legal protection of not being held liable of content that you or I could produce, but then they also want to editorialize in a way that a publisher would. And that's where there's an inconsistency and a rub. And I think they're in a wait and see crouch right now, right? Just keep your head down, see what happens with the selection. Hopefully, Joe Biden wins, right? That's what they're thinking. They're thinking that. Uh, if Donald Trump wins, though, I think it's very likely that we're going to see big changes in big tech. And it might happen regardless. Just, you know. Uh, I doubt it. But, but, but there's a lot riding on this. Because if you think about how massive, right? We've got uh, Q3 um, uh, earnings reports coming in here. And this economy, especially the COVID economy, has favored... Not just big corporations, although they have, mm -hmm. but big tech in particular. Mm -hmm. So, so Google, Amazon, Netflix, Apple, um, Twitter, Facebook—all these massive companies um, are just there. And, and any cloud-based service like Microsoft has that. Uh, there's others, right? They are doing really well. If 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 there was some sort of movement to break these companies up or curtail what they're legally able to do right if they if they had more exposure legally 
it could radically shift the landscape. And, 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 and I, my fear is that if you were just to get rid of this section 230 and that, uh, and, and if big tech were all of a sudden responsible for some of that speech, then they're doing more policing of speech. I don't think that's what we want. Okay, that's, that's a really good point. And to that analogy, it would be like the post office is going through everybody's letters, deciding what could be delivered and what wouldn't be delivered. Right. The beauty of social media is that everybody is their own editor, right? We're no longer captive to the, 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 the three major network news uh, sources that we were 40 years ago. We don't have to read the New York Times or the Washington Post to get our news. The, the internet and blogosphere and podcasts have just opened up a whole new universe so that anybody can have a platform. Now, I know some people don't like that, right? Well, who are you to, to sound off on this? Well, well, I actually value Kim Munson's opinion on things. Mm-hmm. So, and you can choose to listen or not. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Why do we all have to listen to the same thing? We don't. And taking away other people's choices when it comes to freedom of speech or freedom to assemble or freedom to worship or freedom of religion. i got to be careful how I say that exactly, because they say you can worship in your church or in your home. Actually, freedom of religion is that goes throughout your life, mm-hmm. uh, all aspects of your life. We're, we've got a few minutes left. I want to make sure that we cover what you want to uh, hit today, yeah, Stephen. Peck. I guess I, I want to to end with with coming back to the New York Post story about Hunter Biden. And and Hunter Biden, we're not going to get into the specifics of what that – that's a whole separate podcast, right? But it, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter what was in there, uh, what was in that article. If – if I want to share it, if you want to share it, or if a sitting U.S. Pres- uh, uh, um, senator thinks it's worthy of sharing, then who, who, is, who the hell is Jack Dorsey to stop that? He, he is not in a position to do that. So uh, it's kind of like, you know, any mobster, any strong-arm shakedown artist would, would say, ah, nice, nice uh, newspaper you got there, New York Post. Shame if something would have happened to it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, like, you can—, you can Say what you want. You can retweet what you want as long as it's in line with our acceptable speech, right? And so at the end of of Ted Cruz's um, comments yesterday, he said, Mr. Dorsey, who the hell elected you and put you in charge of the media, what the media is allowed to report? Because the New York Post is the fourth largest circulation newspaper in the country. They're over 200 years old. I didn't realize this. Apparently, they were started by Alexander Hamilton. They've been around a long time. They have massive influence, whether Twitter likes it or not. And they blocked not only Senator Cruz's tweeting of their post, they can't they they censored and and stopped. They put a hold on the New York Post and in, in entire uh, Twitter account. He said, so why do you persist as behaving as a Democratic super PAC, silencing the views contrary to your political beliefs? And that's how it ended. And um, yeah, so I think. I mean, we're in the middle of election season and everybody's focused on counting electoral, um, you know, what state's going to go, which direction and what's happening with Bobolinsky and what's happening with Hunter Biden and his laptop. All and all that is very important. But this is happening immediately under the waterline. And I think it's going to bubble up um, big time if if Trump prevails next Tuesday. Uh, it's uh, it's historic times that we're living in. For sure, Stephen Peck. I so enjoy these podcasts when we get together for the Sounding Off with Kim Munson podcast. We have a, a bunch of other subjects that we're going to have to bite off here. Uh, yes, I think so. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, Stephen Peck, thank you so much. This is Kim Munson signing off. 
God bless each of you and God bless America.